Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. We return to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by Digitex. Service for all brands of print equipment in your office? Yeah, Digitex does that. D I G I T E X dot C A. On Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. It's Brendan Escott in for Bob today. Royal Pizza is pizza, pasta, and so much more. Edmonton owned and operated for 49 years. For menu and locations, visit royalpizza.ca or download the Royal Pizza app from the App Store. Uh, not talked about uh, anywhere near as much with the high caliber of hockey right now in Southern Alberta. Not talking about the Flames. Talking about the National Junior A Championship right now is uh, is in Brooks. It has been uh, since last Sunday. It is running through this upcoming Sunday. Brooks Bandits 3-0, uh, the team that knocked them out of the Doyle Cup final out of the BCHL. Prince George Spruce Kings, they're 2-0 with the game this evening to talk about all this Nathan Crosby who is uh, involved not only on the marketing end of things with the Brooks Bandits and the National Junior A Championship he's also calling some of the games so a good man to get some opinions on uh, how everybody's looked uh, Nathan thanks for taking the time today my uh, my pleasure Brendan always good to talk to a fellow TRU grad yeah there it is I, I was wondering if you remembered that cool uh so listen it's obviously a big time a year a busy one for you guys and one that the brooks bandits and the and the whole community of brooks have been preparing for uh you got the national junior a championship you've got the best of the best in the junior a rankings in your city um because you were doing some of the behind the scenes stuff maybe talk to me about the lead up to this and the preparation uh, not only on the hockey end but in terms of how you were pitching it to the community and the, and the surrounding area Sure. Well, it's been, uh, you know, it's been a process that has gone on uh, over two plus years now. Um, it was, you know, back in, in June of 2017 when it was announced that Brooks was going to land the 2019 championship. So it's been coming for quite some time and it's been, you know, we've been patiently waiting for it. And there's been so much excitement around uh, Brooks and the county of Newell and Southeast Alberta for this that, you know, <laughs> we could hardly wait for it to come and now it's here. So it's, it's, it's wonderful. And, you know, the, the, the process, it took a, you know, a lot of, of, of meetings, a lot of preparation, a lot of getting everyone on the same page. We have over 160 volunteers that needed to be coordinated and, and prepped for this. There's a lot of moving parts, you know, from team services to security, to game day operations, uh, to making sure that, you know, the team's towels get uh, to their laundry. You know, there's a lot of things you need to think about when hosting a championship like this. And uh, but it's all come together so so well. And uh, now to see this uh, this week uh, go as well as it has. Um, you know, we're not done yet. Um, still have a few days left, but we're very pleased with how the first few days have gone. On the ice, the Brooks Bandits, uh, of course, actually losing the Doyle Cup uh, to Prince George and then rebounding quite nicely here uh, when when it matters most uh, as the hosts are now 3-0 and at the tournament. Um, just maybe talk about the on-ice product as a whole. Is it living up to expectations? Well, you know, it's, it's interesting. When you have a, a national championship like this, featuring, uh, you know, 10 different leagues across the Canadian Junior Hockey League. You're going to get all sorts of different um, teams and styles of play, and we're seeing that right now in the national championship. We look at the Brooks Bandits, 
going 57 and three in the regular season, um, a team record, an AJHL record, one of the most dominant regular seasons you'll ever see in junior hockey. Um, so that obviously got everyone very excited, and it led up to the Bandits winning uh, the league championship over Spruce Grove. But uh, there's some very competitive teams that they're having to deal with in this tournament. The, the most obvious one is the BCHL champion and Doyle Cup champion, Prince George Spruce Kings, a, a very, very good team, probably the best defense and goaltending in the tournament. And uh, they've been going back and forth. Of course, they met in the Doyle Cup, which PG won in, in six games. And it was, you know, it was an interesting series given that, you know, no matter who won the series, both teams would make it into the, the tournament. So uh, that matchup in the round robin is, uh, we're still waiting for that. That's the final game of the round robin is PG versus Brooks. But, you know, the, the field has some interesting teams. The Ottawa Junior Senators have a, a really good uh, uh, goaltender named Francis Boisvert who put on a, a great performance against Brooks on Tuesday night. He's the type of goalie that you think might be able to steal them a game uh, if you know, push comes to shove for for the junior senators coming out of the Central Canada Hockey League, and then the Oakville Blades, you know, they're a team that have hung around. They got a win over Portage on Tuesday. They're going to be in their first ever semifinal. Um, that's a team that uh, seems to have found their confidence. So you know, it, it's uh, it's uh, it's going to be an interesting weekend here in Brooks. Uh, Portage Terriers were here as well. They were uh, unfortunately eliminated yesterday with that loss to Oakville, but. Uh, so far, the hockey's been pretty good. Uh, is there a difference, as we talk to Nathan Crosby right now, who is down at the National Junior A Championship in Brooks, are you seeing a difference, maybe not even in the style of play, but uh, the West teams are, are showcased right now. They're both undefeated as we speak. Uh, the teams out of Ontario sitting both at one and two. Do you see a step up in the Western, uh, in the Western teams in terms of skill, or is it a different style? What, what are you noticing in that regard? Uh, both and you know there's no there's no secret about it that the two best teams at this tournament are out of the West Brooks and Prince George and you know in a perfect world the the national championship final would feature those two games to see who the best in Canada is because they are the two best teams there's no question but as we have seen uh, in this tournament over the years uh, the best teams don't always win it it's the tournament's designed that you know you can have your your upsets you can have your surprises that's why as I said earlier a team like Ottawa you know don't sleep on them they have a goaltender that may be able to steal the game but you can definitely tell you know the, the, like a team like Prince George much more physical than you know a team like Oakville or Ottawa they defend very well whereas you know you saw the the bandits take on Ottawa junior senators on Tuesday night. It was a, a back and forth game, um, you know, and great goaltending kept it from being, you know, just, you know, a blowout. Um, it, it definitely, you, you see things tighten up when the West teams face each other. It was the same when Brent, when Brooks played Portage, uh, very tight, not a lot of room to operate. So yeah, th- there is some, there is definitely some truth to the whole uh, Eastern style of hockey versus the West. And we're seeing it at the tournament. You look at the scoring leaders in this tournament, and three out of the five are coming from Brooks. The other two out of Oakville and Spencer Kirsten, uh, Garrett Pike, are some names that people out west may not be familiar with. Is there anybody who you've seen play, Nathan, that's sort of jumping off the page as uh, someone that needs to be talked about more, perhaps? Well, you know, Spencer Kirsten had a really good game against Portage. He had four points, so that that was a big reason he was able to to get up and high in the the stat board but uh you know for for the brooks bandits i think luke bass has had a, a great tournament so far for his team you know speaking with uh head coach ron papuano he believes bass is playing 
some of his best hockey of the entire season, and, and Bast is showing that he can be uh, a game or a player that likes to play in those big games with the big crowds and you know when the attention is on because you know he's expected to have his name called uh, coming up in the the 2019 NHL draft. So I think you know his stock is starting to rise with his performance so far at this tournament. Another player that has really uh, stepped up for Brooks is a player out of Quebec named Simon Gravel, uh, Canisius College commit. He has uh, also elevated his play. And he scored some big goals for the Bandits in the, the AJHL playoffs. Uh, so it's no surprise to see Simon performing well. So from a Brooks point of view, I would say it's those guys. And then, you know, the Prince George Spruce Kings, I think we are, or there's two individuals on that team that are, you know, people are starting to really know their names. Leighton Ahak, their defenseman, he's committed to Ohio State. He, um, he's he been excellent in this tournament. He's expected to go in the NHL draft, uh, projected, I think, 62nd, somewhere around there. So, you know, we've been having our eye on him, and he's, he's like Bass, has stepped up his game. But I, I think the real star for Prince George has been their goaltender, Logan Neaton. I think it's, uh, it's very obvious who the best goaltender in the country is right now at this level. And Logan Neaton is, uh, is certainly proving to be that. He's committed to UMass Lowell. And, boy, he's, uh, he's, he's been tough to score against the, the Spruce Kings as a whole. I mean, they haven't really given up much, just the one goal against so far in this tournament. So Brooks will have their work cut out with them. Chatting with Nathan Crosby, both a broadcaster and one of the marketing minds behind the National Junior A Championship taking place down in Brooks. Uh, Nathan, obviously you and I both uh, are very familiar with the AJHL and people across the hockey world are starting to become just as familiar as we see the high draft picks, the Kale McCars, the Jacob Bernard Dockers. Having an event like this take place in the league only further shines that spotlight on what's fast becoming, uh, I would say, rivaling BC as the best Junior A hockey leagues in the country is that fair to say that Alberta's getting a, a little bit more exposure with stuff like this absolutely and you know I think it really speaks to the strength of the teams in the Alberta Junior Hockey League when you look at in the last five years you know this league has hosted two national championships going back to 2016 in Lloyd Minster um, so you know that bodes well and I think you know the CJHL and Hockey Canada when they when they come to Brooks and they see the city is just literally covered in in bandits logos you know like the city is just taken over right now by this tournament there's a big festival happening downtown with you know bands and beer gardens and mute and uh games and like there's a rib fest one of the days like there's a lot of stuff going on in brooks and they've really embraced this as a festival and like a week-long party so that that bodes well especially if brooks you know wants to host uh, future events um future hockey canada events in this community you know maybe some playing games for the world juniors or world junior a challenge down the road then you know it's really going to show well in our community that stepped up here and all the the ticket sales you know we sold out of ticket packages and you know like right away so that really showed that there was a, an interest and a thirst for this type of hockey in in town and people have you know really embraced it it's it's been really fun to see so far and i'm just so excited for the final weekend to see at the centennial regional arena packed to the rafters we know the bandits will be in one of the semifinal games so i imagine uh, i imagine we're gonna have a pretty good crowd for that are you getting the vibe nathan that there's quite a few uh, people coming from out of town to take in this action as well 
Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, we've actually had some, some media coverage from the cities come. So, you know, they're, they're paying some attention to us now, which is great. <laughs> but, um, you know, we're, we're seeing, uh, you know, just in the ticket sales alone, we had a, a lot of people from all around southern Alberta, Medicine Hat, Lethbridge, Calgary, uh, people from there making the trip. We have some people from Edmonton that I, I've seen, you know, buy tickets and, and make the drive down. So um, we're happy to have everyone from wherever they are to come here and uh, not only uh, invest some time in our team and in this tournament but also invested in our community and uh no we're, we're, we're very proud of what's happened so far with the national championship but uh i keep saying everyone we got to keep our foot on the gas we're not uh, at the finish line yet <laughs> And uh, and that's a good place for us to end here, Nathan. So tonight, uh, Prince George plays Portage, and uh, that doesn't really have any ramifications on the standings, uh, at least for the Terriers. And then tomorrow night is the marquee matchup. Brooks and Prince George meet once again. After that, uh, how do the uh, the medal rounds, if you will, shake down? So, well, yeah, and that's you're, you're right. Uh, Portage Terriers, there. no matter what happens tonight, they're out of the tournament. They lose the tiebreaker. Basically... The way the, the, the standings work, you get you know three points for the win, but if you end up tying with someone, uh, it's just the head-to-head matches the, the you know the tiebreaker. So Portage can't get in now. Um, Prince George needs to take care of business against Portage because they need to keep pace with the Bandits. Currently, Brooks is three and zero in the tournament. PG is two and zero. Whoever finishes first in the standings gets to choose the semifinal game that they play in, whether it's two o'clock on Saturday or 7 o'clock. And I think if you speak to most, most coaches at this tournament, and I have, um, they all agree that they want to play the, the 2 o'clock game just to give themselves the rest. Should they make the championship, they'll have a little bit more than you know playing at 7 o'clock the night before. So there is a lot of incentive for these teams, you know, specifically Brooks and Prince George, to finish first in the standing. So PG needs to take care of business tonight against Portage. And then, of course, should they, and I think they will, that sets up for a really fun Thursday night at the CR when Brooks plays Portage. Not only is it a game that will probably decide who gets first in the standings and gets to play uh, the fourth seed, which will either be Ottawa or Oakville. Um, we're also going to be inducting Cam McLeese onto the Wall of Fame. Um, Cam McLeese, of course, was the captain of the Bandits when they won the national title in 2013 out in Prince Edward Island. So he's going to be back in the building. They're going to put his name on the wall. Uh, we'll be wearing special black jerseys that we're debuting for the tournament. So it's going to be a really fun night. And uh, the Bandits, they have some, you know, they have some sore wounds from losing the Doyle Cup to Prince George. And uh, I think this will be a revenge match. And who knows, maybe it, it sets up for uh, maybe a future game against Prince George on the weekend. Great stuff, Nathan. Congratulations on uh, what sounds like it's been an excellent journey so far, and I wish you the best of luck in the final few days. No problem, Brendan, and uh, thanks for checking in, and uh, and uh, take care. And it's uh, Nathan Crosby once again. He's uh, part of the broadcast team for the Brooks Bandits, and as such has been part of the broadcast team for Hockey Canada with the National Junior A Championship. Uh, we were talking Andre Sekera just before uh, before the break there. Well, he tied up the game for the Slovaks uh, nearly as we were speaking of him, so his ears must have been burning. They take a 2-1 lead now into the second intermission at the World Hockey Championships. We will take an intermission here on Oilers Now. A couple more texts coming your way when we get back. Brendan Esk out with you today. This is Zach Cassian from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Oilers Now with Boz Stoffer on 6.30. Chad. And Escott with you on this Wednesday edition of Oilers Now. Had the hot take from Craig Simpson saying the Ralph Cougar hiring 
in Buffalo does not have his stamp of approval. And uh, one of few that I've seen in the hockey world speak out against uh, Ralph Kruger. But uh, as Jim from Rocky Mountain House pointed out earlier, his record in the NHL, well, only, what, just under 40 years, just over 40 games, 19-22-7. and seven. That came when the lockout shortened year with the Oilers. The Oilers continuing their own coaching search, still waiting on uh, really any new revelations in that as we continue on through this week. Uh, some speculation from uh, Mark Spector yesterday. Maybe we're looking at next week for some movement in that regards, but uh, it's tough to say. Uh, texter Steve in Edmonton asks why no one is talking about Jay Woodcroft for the vacant Oilers head coaching position. That's a good question. I would imagine that they're at least going to give him a, a thought. I don't know if uh, my stance on this is if you've had this kind of success in the only year that uh, that he's been a head coach in the AHL. You've seen him take the uh, the Condors to their first AHL playoffs and uh, into the second round, deep into the second round, in fact. Why ruffle those feathers? You got to, you're trying to put a focus on development within your own organization. You've got somebody who can clearly get that done based on at least the one-year sample size here. Let him, let him mature for a few years down there if that's uh, if that's how it's going to go, right? Give him another chance down there. So to me, it's it's almost been too good of a season for him to get a serious look at the Oilers. And if you disagree, hit me up at 6.30, Tell me why. Uh, Big Sam out of Peace River says, let's bring back Tyler Pitlick from Dallas for a bottom six role. Well, I don't imagine you're going to make a trade to get Tyler Pitlick back considering he walked on July 1st of 2017. Uh, his thing was injuries, right? Like He was a second-round pick in 2010. Uh, he's currently a $1 million cap hit, but he does have the contract through the end of next season as well. So I don't know that that's a short-term fix, but... Uh, you know what, that's uh, that's kind of what happens when you have the injuries. And Speaking of which, uh, Tim in Drayton Valley says, Todd Nelson's a great choice for coach. What happened to uh, Ostap Safin of the Halifax Mooseheads? He fell off the face of the earth. Well, he was, uh, what, their sixth round pick, I want to say, in 2017, something along those lines. Looked like a promising prospect. He was hurt all of this season, essentially, from November right through March. He put up 11 points in 15 games, and then he... Uh, yeah, he didn't do much in the playoffs for Halifax, but you will get a look at him in the Memorial Cup, which starts this uh, this weekend, this Friday. We're going to have Sam Cosentino on the show a little bit later this week as well, uh, likely Friday afternoon. You can uh, hear about the Oilers' prospects in the Memorial Cup from him. But yes, uh, Safin, that's a good point. He was he's can be considered one of the better prospects uh, up front for the Oilers. Injuries bit him hard this year. Sonny in Vancouver texting the show again. I think McLeod should be kept in the minors next year. On your show, you've had scouts rip into McLeod for his lack of intensity. He needs to uh, spend some time in the AHL and develop that part of his game. Recently, we've seen Pugliarvi, Yamamoto, Drysaddle rush to the NHL only to be sent back to the minors. That's again from uh, Sonny in Vancouver. To me, that's up to the player, Sonny. It's, uh, you're right. I, I don't know where there's a better place that you need to show intensity all the time than in the NHL. But if that does falter in the first few games, assuming he cracks the team out of camp, or you can even, you're probably going to get a gauge on that uh, through training camp and see how he looks. He did mention in his exit interviews with the Condors today, he's going to spend some time in Edmonton training in this offseason. And 
I, I do get the sense from him that he learned quite a bit about the pace of the pro game, even in his his uh, few games down in the AHL playoffs. So he might have a new uh, a new perspective on exactly what an offseason training regime should look like if you plan on cracking the lineup. Don't be too quick to forget that he nearly did uh, that he nearly did in this past season. One more text out of Edmonton here. The Leafs suck. They always will. The Oilers need to buy out Sekera and play the young great D they have coming. Well, that is an option for them if they want to shed some contract. Again, we've said it a couple times now, but to fill you in, that's about a $3 million cap savings if they do buy out Andre Sekera. But uh, you got to weigh that and whether bolstering the... Uh, if there's something out there... Winger-wise, that you can pick up for three million more dollars, or maybe a little bit more if they're able to shed some more. You got to weigh whether that's more valuable to you than having the veteran D presence. Secker is 32. He does make a lot of money for the Oilers, but it's one of those things, much like Lucic, where obviously the contributions don't always show up in the score sheet. That doesn't mean they're not there. So uh, Ken Holland's going to have some decisions to make. I personally am very encouraged by the amount of time that Holland is taking to make these decisions. Mum, the word right now, not a bad thing. Don't worry too much about that. All right, to this day in Oilers history, back in 1990, Peter Klima scored at 15-13 of triple overtime to lead the Oilers to a 3-2 win over the Boston Bruins at Boston Garden. That was game one of the Stanley Cup Finals. That goal put an end to the longest game in Stanley Cup Final history, the ninth longest overall in playoff history, Billy Ranford stopping 50 of 52 shots in the Oilers' net. Tonight on 6.30, Jet, Blues, Sharks from St. Louis, live. Puck drop at 6 p.m., so you're not getting your daily dose of inside sports, but you're getting plenty of live hockey action. Again, 6 o'clock puck drop there. Tomorrow, Sportsnet's Louis DeBrusque. And Brian Burke, presented by Canadian Power Pack, Alberta's leader in electrical construction and service, electrical prefabrication solar. Always appreciate the contributions on the text line. We'll try and find some fresh new topics for tomorrow. What qualities are most intangible in an NHL player? What do you think about that? Text me tomorrow on the Heartland Ford text line. Brendan Escott in with you all week. Up next, uh, weather, a global news weather traffic update with Eileen Bell, followed by the 6.30 chat afternoon news with Jalen Nye. So long, everybody. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 6.30 Chad.